Hi everyone, welcome at WaveAct. Today with B. Earl, who is writer at Marvel, executive producer at Cartoon Network Studios, GOM and Gomment, and is the founder of the Jam Nation and the comic book Sunday Holdings. And I'm pleased to have you here. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure talking with you. And today we're going to talk about why you need storytelling more than ever in Web3. And as you have a lot of stuff going on, so I would love to hear from you. What are you passionate about? What are you doing from a day-to-day -day basis? And just to give the audience a little bit more context about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, so great to meet you, Kevin. Um, I'm really excited to be here and be a part of your, your network and your community. Um, my background has been in entertainment for going on almost 20 years, uh, but I did start with a background in tech uh, just because my dad is a computer scientist and artist. So he, it's almost like I followed in his footsteps a bit <laughs> where, you know, when I was 10 years old, I was helping program one of his projects and uh, it was like an early form of what now, like one of these companies, they, it was originally called Scriptwriter. They've disappeared, but it was an early like touchpad, which what now we have our iPads, iPhones. So I've always been like tech adjacent in my own uh, life. And I really found my passion for storytelling at a very young age where I loved comic books um, at 10 years old. My dream was to make Marvel comics. Uh, and, you know, now here, many years later, uh, I am awesome. a Marvel writer with my, uh, my creative partner, Taboo, uh, uh, from the Black Eyed Peas. So, you know, that kind of segues me into how I got into writing comics, but also the bigger picture of how I got into the world of, of storytelling and entertainment. Um, and for me, comic books has been such a, a real core to it all. Um, one of the very first projects I did while I was still in college was a documentary on comic books uh, that we were shooting in New York and kind of all over the East Coast. Uh, and I was the DP and the editor. Again, technological uh, aspects. I mean, editing, nonlinear editing, you're working with uh, the computer and understanding asset management. Um, in this case, of course, you know, it's film, well, digital film. So, you know, that really got me into the space of comics and cut to many years later, uh, I met Will I Am through a mutual friend and he said, hey, uh, I've got this script. Uh, I would love to turn it into a graphic novel. Um, and I said, that sounds really fun. That sounds really exciting. I have an incredible community that uh, Comic Book Sunday. So I've got these amazing artists I have relationships with and colorists and inkers and letters and all these people that I can pull on to uh, bring this world to life and bring this story to life. So Will and I worked on a project called Masters of, Masters of the Sun, uh, a little bit of a tongue twister, uh, Masters of the Sun. Uh, it is Don't a, force uh, me to repeat it, please. Yeah, no, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, which I don't know if your, your audience can see, uh, it is here. This was the uh, graphic novel we did, uh, Black Eyed Peas Project. Uh, an album came out with it, uh, an AR app, uh, VR, it was released on the Oculus. So, you know, it was a very sort of multimedia transmedia project that was released in 20, 2017. Um, and 
it was really exciting. It was really fun. You know, we got to go to uh, Comic-Con uh, in San Diego. I was in the Marvel uh, panel. I was on the, in the Marvel booth with Black Eyed Peas signing Crazy. my first time getting to like, <laughs> here I am, like, you know, this, this kid out of Jersey signing with rock stars, you know, pop stars, you know, <laughs> what my autograph was. That was fun. <laughs> So it was it was really a very surreal uh, experience, but but, you know, really humbling in a lot of ways, because, you know, for me, storytelling is what got me to that point. Um, and, you know, being passionate about the creative process, being passionate about characters and world building and, you know, at the same time, also always looking at technology as a great way to uh, distribute stories and bring stories to a much larger audience. Um, so, you know, that was really kind of the background of how it all began. Uh, and then Taboo and I started a company uh, called uh, Skyviewway Studios. That's our company now. Um, we just uh, the other day announced we're doing a project uh, with, Go we're partnering with Gaumont. Uh, we're also working with the company Flying Bark out of Australia. Uh, and we're doing a preschool show um, about water is life. It's about indigenous storytelling. Um, and we're really excited about that. And I think for us, storytelling is so important to bring to the younger generation, uh, bring to kids, bring to, you know, in every way. I mean, a story, you know, marketing, it's always, oh, we need this great story. You know, we're going to sell this and we need the story to, you know, all that fun stuff. But a story really has to have a heart and it needs to be genuine and it needs to be built in a way with, you know, people that really care about whatever that story uh, they're telling is. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop there because, you know, there are connective tissues to how I got into the blockchain space back in 2017, how I was involved in a project early on that was an ICO that we were going to launch, but then we hit the 2018 bear market and we early, we were early adopters of NFTs, looking at how we could bring NFTs into uh, gaming and things like that. But you know, that's, that's something we can dive into further, but I think that kind of gives a, a bit of a background of my diversified platform of storytelling uh, in the, the usual ways of entertainment, but also in the, the tech space as well. Awesome. So a little bit ahead of the time, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. A little bit. So next time we're going to code a smart contract, since you said uh, you're fine with software engineering as well. So <laughs> I, I wish I wish I had stayed on that path a little more. Um, I stayed on the uh, the creative path. Uh, <laughs> that, that's your kid. time, mate. That's your yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> creatives are on the rise. So yeah. yeah. Um, since what I'm curious a little bit about is, every one of us, uh, probably also of the audience has some thoughts about uh, storytelling itself, right? We all think we know what it is and how it could be done and so on but uh, from a professional perspective what is storytelling actually for you right how do you define it how what makes storytelling well i think storytelling at its core is something that relates our human experience to each other i mean we all are coexisting on this blue marble spinning through space around a hot star. And at the end of the day, how do we connect to each other? What are the things that we feel 
most human about. As humans, we want to, you know, love, we want to feel wanted, we want to feel, you know, that we have meaning in life. And, you know, storytelling at the core of it is connected to our culture, it's connected to our day-to-day life. I mean, the fact that here I am telling you a small story about myself. I was, you know, a kid born in New Jersey, wanted to make comics at 11 years old, and then cut to many years later, I'm getting to actually make comics with Marvel. Like that is a very compacted story, but there's a beginning, middle and end. If we were to say, okay, the arc of this story is really about a young kid who wants to make comic books for Marvel Comics. And then that's the beginning. And then the middle is that journey too. And then the ending of that story would be mission accomplished, right? Like that's a compact story. And that's a story that is a personal story of mine, right? And I can relate that story to you and you might go, oh, wow, like I have a similar story. And then we start finding patterns within those stories. And you say, well, when I was a kid, I wanted to, you know, write code for whatever it is. Like, you know, what did you want to do when you were a kid? And what and is it, is it, you know, is it kind of coalescing into what you want to do now? I think those are, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, that's how we relate, right? As humans, like I can ask you right now, like, what was it that you at, let's say 10 years old, what did you dream of doing? Teacher. <laughs> what was that? Teacher. It's a little a bit uh, off topic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but I mean, yeah. I think, but you are here. You are right now. You're on a podcast. You're bringing yeah. people together to share experience and teach people about storytelling about web three. So for all intents and purposes, you have a part of that in who you are. So you have achieved that. I mean, you know, and, and we layer on that. I mean, I think our most formative years are when we're the ages of like nine to like 17, right? It's that time where we really start discovering who we are, what we want to do, where we want to go. Um, and, and all the media we consume, whether it's movies or, or books or, the Bible or the Quran or, you know, whatever, if, you know, lots of people have all the religious texts as well. Those are stories, right? I mean, and, and people come together over that community of storytelling, whether it's the belief in, in, you know, a God, the belief in that is all connected to storytelling. We look at mythology and we say, oh, the Greeks, you know, the Greek gods, those are all stories, you know, Native American storytelling, which is a lot of what Taboo and I do. Those are stories. Those are parables. Those are things you look at and say, well, how do I get closer to nature? So that is a big part of it. And I think intention is a key to storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like uh, what you convey in a subtle subtle manner, right? What people actually, uh, you don't say this explicitly. You just convey it in an... Yeah, supple manner so that people uh, get it themselves, right? It's, yeah, I mean, you look at like storytelling in the sense of like metaphorical, right? Like when I went to college, I studied poetry. Like that was a main focus of English. Like I was an English major um, and poetry was really my focus because I love the idea of compacted storytelling using imagery and metaphor, right? You read a poem. Also, I was lazy. I didn't like to read. I mean, that's the real reason, let's just be honest. (laughs) I was like, do I really want to read like 500 page books? Like, you know, listen, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> instead of uh, 
reading you started to write so that's your right i was i would read short poems and then i go off and write my own poems and then i go and perf you know anyway but but <laughs> but seriously like i think there's something very magical about poetry because poetry and filmmaking are very similar right like you look at a film a film is visual poetry it connects all of the sensory uh detail whether it's music and and a sound effects and you know you have this vision on the stage of the screen or whatever it is and you have a very short amount of time to convey that story so you know there's documentaries which are a documentary is telling you something right it can have woven into it a more kind of dramatic effects and things like that but when you're getting into a documentary there is actual information being conveyed right you're looking for someone an expert to come in and tell you things true crime, these were witnesses, blah, 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 right? But when we're doing a film, there's the audience who is a part of that journey in a different capacity. They are in, in a way sometimes along for the ride, you know, being conveyed metaphorical storytelling. I mean, we can get into all the, the weeds of it. Every format is different in how it conveys its story. Documentary is different than narrative is different than comic book narrative, right? I mean, you look at a comic book, panel is how you go through space and time, right? So when you're going through space and time, you know, this is all, this is my master, the Masters of the Sun project, right? So you have these moments and they're fighting against zombies and, you know, and you can see here, right? Um, it's, it's very different how you deal with time and space. Right. I think those are big parts of distribution. Like if you're watching a YouTube video that's 10 minutes long, that's got to have a beginning, middle and end to some degree. Right. To draw someone in. I think that's really where storytelling uh, is key is is how it conveys a, a message or has some sort of theme to it uh, and how that is woven into the structure. Interesting. And uh, a little bit uh, going back now. You referred to NFTs before, right? Yeah. So I would be curious, uh, we hear that all the time, right? NFTs are about storytelling, about a community, about uh, connecting brands with uh, their potential customers or whatsoever, right? Building communities. Uh, how do you actually think uh, storytelling and NFTs relate to each other and how can they, uh, let's say, power each other up? Oh, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, so we have an NFT project that we started on Solana back in October of last year. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, Roland, uh, from Pitch Pirate Studios and myself are doing an adult cartoon. An adult in the sense of like, you know, it's not it's not a perverted adult. It's PG-13 R, well, probably more R, um, where, you know, it's about these chihuahuas and they're on an alien planet and... They're just raunchy and crazy and ridiculous. So, um, you know, we went through the trials and tribulations of like everyone wanted, you know, oh, do we do it as a game? What, you know, for us, it was like our strength is telling a story, right? Roland and myself, very focused on making cartoons. When we first launched the project, it was very focused on making a cartoon with our audience and the goal being potentially building it out into some sort of series, including the audience and the community along that ride. Right. So because our audience is our community. Right. Um, and we were doing webtoons. We were doing, you know, a uh, little kind of community uh, 
builds. So everyone held their PFP. They could write their backstory in our Discord. You have all these backstories. You have all this, you know, kind of connective tissue. Um, and, you know, myself being the writer uh, and world builder, Roland being the artist as well as creative with me. And, you know, we both, you know, write in our own way. Uh, we built the sandbox for our community to play in. And we said, this is the lore, this is the backstory, this is where it all came from, and this is our potential of where it's all going. Along the way, we ran into some, some issues. Uh, one of the companies we were working with um, is no longer. Uh, and, you know, it, it was like any, any NFT project, um, as people know, there's, there's a lot of bumps and, and, and grinds along the road. Uh, but we've since said, you know what, we're going to dust this off because our community was it was just difficult. I was looking for outside investment. Uh, we were talking to different ways of, because being on Solana, we were like, maybe we can bridge it uh, into another chain as well and kind of bring in a new audience. Uh, we since have decided to just focus on the small community we have and really bring them into the process, really give them a voice. And all of the ones that want to be our Chihuahua producers, we have a role, Chihuahua producer, um, <laughs> they will then sign up uh, and join us on the lot and on the lot, they will be able to work with us building this world and telling this story. So for me, it's a big experiment, right? An NFT, like a 721 NFT allows for an, a, you know, a very specific, uh, unique PFP that you hold, right? I also am looking at NFTs in a different way. Um, I also look at NFTs with the 1155 being focused on almost like a customer relationship management tool, like a CRM. And it's a different way to approach storytelling because then it's more fungible in the way of we can launch a much larger uh, drop where we can then get people in, create gating access tokens through uh, an app. Uh, one of my good friends is a great app called Fan Circles, which originally started out as a music app, which he's pivoted to be focused on uh, um, being NFT gating. So it's a white label app that you can put your brand on it. Um, and then, uh, you know, where we can basically build out on that. Um, there are other companies. Uh, another friend of mine has a company called Straight Fire, <clears throat> which allows you to build stages and then you can, you know, put your NFT on this 3D digital stage and then output it to your socials, your Instagrams, your Twitters, whatever. Um, because I think a big part of this, how do we get that out there? How do we use little moments to tell that story about our characters, about our world, which I love what, um, you know, Straight Fire is doing and, and Christian, you know, it's like, it's, it's a way to kind of give us a slice of that world. So for instance, if we have a Chihuahua stage where it's our planet and you fly through it and you see your Chihuahuas, you know, in either two dimensional or if we release 3D assets, you can put them on there. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that storytelling can be utilized, right? Where we're doing a traditional sort of animation story. We have a beginning, middle and end. We're gonna make a three minute animation. Our PFP collection holders get to be a part of that community and creativity. September 2nd, you will have a cartoon ready to go. It will be released and there will be characters from the community in the cartoon, perhaps in the background doing weird things or getting blown up or who the hell knows. Um, <laughs> but it will really engage the community to feel that, you know, they've been a part of the creative process. And, and what I look at is, um, 
it's really about teaching people, right? Like people oftentimes don't really understand what it takes to make a story. You have all of these PFP projects that launch. Oh, we're, we've got a story. We've got a backstory. But what's really interesting is we enter into this like web 3D world, this persistent dynamic world building that we're going into. And it's not going to be tomorrow, but you know, the metaverse, whatever we want to call it. In the next several years, we have to be understanding that we're laying the, the groundwork for persistent worlds. And unlike an Instagram, Instagram is not a persistent world, right? Like you're you're scrolling through it, you see things, you know, you click on someone's thing, it's very static. Even if there's a video, it's still static. But if you go into, let's just call it a 3D room or a 3D world, there's going to be stuff happening all the time. It's very much like our real world if we're looking to create a layer. So if you were to come into our Chihuahuaverse, there should be things happening all the time. There should be storytelling happening all the time. There should be games. There should be, this is where the game side comes in, right? Like, what are they like scavenger hunts or who knows? Like, maybe it's, you know, uh, like Among Us sort of game, you know, whatever it is. Um, that's, I believe, to be like the future of where we're going. But we're really building kind of the, the blocks right now. And that's where NFTs giving us digital persona or digital ontologies and connecting us to these sort of storytelling worlds or persistent communities, you could call them brands, whatever. But if a brand doesn't start looking at itself as being a persistent world that has real narrative and has real characters and has real stuff in it, then it's going to miss out. It's going to be static. It's going to be like the back of Dot's pretzels and saying, in 1971, Dot found a great recipe to make the best pretzels in the world. And you know, and that's, the, that's the story. That's all you get. And I, I'll be honest, I love Dot's pretzels. I think they're fantastic. Not a shit, you know, not plugging Dot, but I'm also not knocking it because like that's the traditional, what we looked at as storytelling and marketing you know, for the past, you know, however many years, but we're going into a new era of what marketing and branding and, and e-commerce is going to become and persistent narratives are going to be key. Dynamic NFTs are going to be key. And I think the kind of 1155 token is going to be a really interesting token connecting to uh, customer relationship management um, and loyalty programs. Yeah, and no wonder that so many major brands or companies currently enter the metaverse or NFTs, right? It's just crazy. I, it, it's easier to find companies which don't enter Web3, at least it feels like, yeah. than those that do, right? Uh, well, the, the question is, where is the metaverse? I mean, what metaverse are they entering? Yeah, it, are they going into? It, it, it's a term. Yeah, I know. Right? Is, are, they, are they in Roblox? Are they in Sandbox? Which rhymes? Are they in Decentraland? Like, which metaverse? You know, is it Fortnite? Is it, a, you know, I think that's really where we kind of need to start figuring out language and actual definitions. Like, what is Web3? I mean, I wrote a uh, a piece in venture beat about web three as a myth and that's okay because it truly is okay that web three has not yet really defined itself as to being you know a a specific thing like a lot of people have different definitions of this idea of web three but you know obviously the big piece is that blockchain will be the component that 
creates the you know the the mesh uh to it all so we'll see <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely we are still in the discovery phase so it's interesting to see where that goes and as you just said we already see uh huge companies uh forming some sort of um I'm not sure how it's called but i think uh the largest companies in the us are already uh, forming some sort of uh a council or I would say a group, a working group where they try to unify, right? Yeah. 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 Creating a standards, you know, so one of my good uh, friends um, who's also been, in, you know, metaverse OG, Tony Parisi. So Tony just joined Lamina, right? With the, the actual namer of metaverse, uh, Neil Stevenson, right? So, so Tony, you know, we've been talking for several months about all of this because, and with some of the guys that, you know, I work with and some of the companies I advise, you know, looking at not only what will be a metaverse sort of protocol, but what is a creative protocol? Like, what is that going to look like? What is, as we were, um, my good friend, Anthony Apollo over at Rensa Games calls it the creeper, um, which I love. I love the creeper. It's, it sounds, you know, it's like a Minecraft creeper, right? Uh, he, he always says, uh, if, if Minecraft can have creepers, why can't we? Um, which is fun because I think, you know, right, it's, it's what is a creative protocol going to look like? How are we going to say, okay, we as creators, we as content creators, what does that mean? You know, is it is it going to be based on analytics like Google Analytics has been so much, you know, with YouTube and this and that, where where those are more focused on, you know, that kind of again, that very static YouTube video. Here's your YouTube video. These are the things that you need and and in order to engage that audience or to capture that audience. Well, where's this metaverse going to be? And when that happens. How are people going to have those sort of analytics or those sort of ways to understand, you know, are we just going to have thousands of barkers running around with their megaphone saying, okay, come over here to my YouTube channel. This is going to be awesome. You know, like, I don't want that world, man. Like, you know, because it's like, how do we discover? Where is discovery and exploration going to come from? Or are there going to be portals and you're going to start finding and narrowing down based off your interests? Or are you going to have targeted ads because I am into sci-fi fantasy? I love cyberpunk. Cool. You know, I just got a, this, this role-playing game called Cyberpunk Red, right? This is the role-playing game that the Cyberpunk 2077 game is based off of. So I'm interested in that. Now you know that that was my purchase. Will now I have portals that connect me to cyberpunk communities with really you know, awesome people making awesome content in the cyberpunk space that I want to buy that cool wearable or that, you know, whatever it is. Like it's, it is going to be part of the storytelling in the sense of like, these are dynamic narratives that are happening. And that's where commerce is going to be factored in because our buying habits are going to be connected to our understanding of like, well, I'm into comic books. I'm into video games. I'm into, so, you know, sellers are, are going to be able to say, okay, that's the cool community you're into. Those are the people you hang out with and, and converse with, just like in high school. You know, I was that social butterfly. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I also played music and I also hung out with all the jocks. Like, and I threw the, you know, these crazy parties because my parents let me throw parties at our house. So I was able to <laughs> navigate all of high school, but like there still are those clicks, right? So you have over here are the kids that play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, that's a community. 
How do you market to that community without marketing, you know, confusingly the stuff that you want to market to the jock community, right? Like, or to the music community or to the, the, the theater kids, you know, and there's crossover. The theater kids are connected to the role-playing kids. There's definite Venn, Venn diagram crossover there. Music connects us to a lot. So anyway, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. We could go very deep into it. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, to, to the point of storytelling, I think it is going to be crucial because storytelling is about building engines. Engines are the things that ultimately you can have generate your lore. And once you have your lore, then you can build your world. Once you have your world, then you can start populating it with all of your characters and things like that. You know, so you kind of go very macro, but you have to be very micro to begin with. So your engine is what begins it. Your macro world is going to be the universe, multiverse, whatever you want to build. And then you start connecting in your characters. You start connecting in major characters, B characters, minor character stories, threading it, tree kind of analogies, you know. And, and ultimately, by the time you start getting to the people in that world, um, you know, the, the kind of everyday users, they're going to have connective tissue to all of the threads that you've already built, as well as the engine that will continue to output story. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds uh, super interesting, uh, super exciting, basically, except it gets like Facebook, you know, <laughs> like ah. where you basically get shooted with ads or with connections in that case where you actually don't want to go, right? But no, um, <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I, I, God, I would hate to see that happen. But, but um, you're right. We have to be, be cognizant of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see where it goes. Right. Um, what I can say is that I know already with uh, these so-called soul-bound tokens, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, uh, yeah. there are already several projects already building, uh, connecting uh, data with uh, yeah, NFTs and so on. Right. Uh, several. I saw multiple of them. So it's already going to be there. So exciting yeah. time ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, the soulbound token idea being that like that is your actual digital ontology. I, I think there's an issue that I have with that though, because my issue is that we are a composition of many interests and ideas. We are a much more diversified collection of our media consumption, our world consumption, our experiences. We are experienced machines. And the issue I have with a soul token is that it says this is the one thing that exists and it, it becomes really complicated in the sense of like, well, how do you weave in all the different experiences that you are having in the real world as well as that you're having in a digital world? And, you know, much like you play Xbox or PlayStation, you get your badges or in Steam, you get your badges that ultimately say, these are the games I'm interested in. This is sort of my my wallet. Right. And, and I think to me, what's more interesting is the wallet becomes your digital ontology. It shows all the PFPs that you have, all the collectibles you have, all the different things that you are interested in and excited about. And that becomes your soul token, as so to speak, because that's your collection of experiences. That's your wallet. That is all of your experiences that you hold the keys to that, you know, 
you should hold the keys to, right? I mean, in the, in the, in the sense of a decentralized world, no one should be able to mess with your wallet. Um, I mean, you could have it, I guess, on a cold storage, you know, with your, with your ledger or whatever you want. But I mean, your wallet should be your soul token. That is like your, your experience machine in the digital world. And if we are going in the correct direction, I really believe wallets should be the focal point, not some NFT that exists on some blockchain that it doesn't, it, how does it collect our experiences and represent who we are as a digital ontology? I, I don't know. Uh, super interesting thoughts. Uh, just to add that here, um, in China world, the SPTs are highly theoretical, right? There is no proven way to actually uh, do soulbound tokens, but uh, there are certainly ways to actually connect one token with other data, you know, with hashes or uh if you connect the nfts somehow with the spt there are certain standards for that but that's a whole other topic <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, no i mean it's, it's very, it's very exciting, interesting yeah? yeah it's very interesting and exciting and i think you know it will be something to be further explored because you know as we talk about storytelling storytelling is we are experienced machines as human beings we have a physical body that experiences the world around us and you know as digital representations it's going to have a very similar uh relationship to experience and you know in gaming obviously you have experience points in role-playing games you get experience points right you uh start off as a wizard level one you have a couple spells uh but by the time you're a wizard level 20 um you can bring down an entire uh city with your fireball right i mean that that's your experience uh, machine <laughs> but it means that you have to put in the time right like if you're playing world of warcraft to be able to get to that level really you need to be playing a lot right you need to be spending that time in that space um and i think that's really what we're going to be looking at is like where time is spent as human beings we only have so much time on the earth like we have time to spend with family, we have time to spend with friends and loved ones, and then we have time to spend with people in this digital space. I mean, here we are speaking across oceans, across time zones, and, you know, we're giving that time. I think time is the most important and most valuable thing we have, and that is connected to our trade system, you know, I mean, that is what we trade in, it's our time. Um, so, and that's where storytelling comes in. Like how many, how many stories do you want to get into? Do I really want to play a game or read a book or watch a movie that is a waste of my time? Probably not, you know? That's <laughs> why people walk out of a movie and be like, really, that yeah. movie, I want the last two hours of my life back, right? Like that movie was awful. Give me those two hours back, right? Like people say that because that's your time, man, right? Like that's, I just gave that to that, studio or whatever and i think that's really important as storytellers as content creators as world builders as you know whatever we want to call ourselves we need to be really thoughtful about the time we spend and not focusing it on you know clickbait and algorithm chasing we need to give people real quality and value for their time in the content we create like that to me is crucial and i think that is so important going into this next iteration yeah, definitely. That's what I just wanted to add is uh, giving value is basically everything, right? Yeah. Uh, if you focus on that, I think you're uh, set up for winning whatever you want to achieve, right? 
Um, so basically, we already talked about uh, storytelling in our in a lot of different ways, right? So I would be interested now. Uh, is are there some because you're a professional, right? Are there some more specific or concrete ways uh, companies could actually utilize uh, sto storytelling right now? Or do we always, uh, always directly have to hire a writer? Or is there something companies can do by themselves already to just start? I mean, it's a great question because, you know, it's like, I always say like writers have put in their time for their craft, like real writers, like real artists, real storytellers. And, you know, same with musicians, right? You, the 10,000 or 20,000 hours. Um, you're not going to pick up a violin today and go, okay, I can yeah. go off and, you know, be, be playing with the, the London Symphony. Um, not happening. So, you know, you look at companies and they're going to say, oh, we're getting into the metaverse. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're, and the issue is, is that because there's so much like new, and I use air quotes for new because it really isn't new, um, but people think that it, they're pretending it's new and the belief that because it's new, we can rewrite the rules. And then when they fail, they go, oh, why didn't it work? And it was like, because you didn't hire the right team. You didn't bring in the right people. These are, you know, lesson 101. You want to build a car. You don't bring in someone who, you know, is, is a writer. And if you want to write a story, you don't bring in someone who's going to build a car. Like it's, you know, I, I'm not going to be your yeah. neurosurgeon. Um, you know, as much as I would have loved to learn <laughs> brain surgery, <laughs> uh, that is not my skill set. So I think, you know, to the point of companies, I think there is something of understanding the space, right? Really understanding, like, what is the space? And just like human beings, right? The more we understand ourselves, the better we have an opportunity to give to the world around us. So the more introspective we are, the more kind of looking at our shortcomings, looking at what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses as a human being, and a company should take that same way. We should, you know, if, if a company were to say, well, you know, we are, we make cars, right? That's what we do. We, we give an experience in a car. It is a incredible driving machine. It is, you know, whatever those things are, we'll start looking at saying, okay, well, what are those strengths? What are those characteristics that connect to that car? What is the story that you go out and tell someone when you want your, your, uh, you know, your audience to go and sell the car to their friend, right? Oh my God, this Audi is the best. Oh, you're not going to believe it. it. It's so smooth and whatever, right? Like, you know, whatever yeah. those kinds of things are. Well, those are characteristics. That's a character. A character has certain abilities, has certain uh, qualities to them. And start looking at like, what is the character around your product? What is the character around the stuff that you make? And look at it like it would be a human. And, you know, this is where this kind of idea of like, oh, these digital characters are going to walk around and, you know, look at these, you know, and, uh, pop stars in Japan that are all like three-dimensional and whatever, right? Like that's a first layer of what we're seeing. But there is something to be said about that of, you know, in storytelling for a brand, understand who you are more so than understand the story you're trying to sell to an audience. If you're saying, oh, yeah, we're Dots Pretzels and we were founded in Dots Kitchen in 1975. Well, that's great. That's that's a little bit of a backstory. Right. Like, but where are you now, Dot? What are you doing? 
what is that flavor burst that you're giving to everyone when you walk into the room and say, hello, I'm Dad, you know, like what's that? Is it, is it RuPaul or is it like, you know, uh, Betty Crocker, you know, like what, what is that? <laughs> like where on the spectrum does your character fall or that, that element to your, uh, to your brand itself? I think that to me is something that's really interesting. And then you understand who you are. And once you can do that, then you can relate it to a writer or a creative or a team and say, hey, look, how do we build a world around this? We have a little bit of backstory. We have this incredible product. We want to populate this world with people that are not looking at the product to be sold the product, but they're looking to be sold more of the feeling of belonging to a community that has meaning to them. And that meaning is whatever it is, their shared value system. I think a shared value system is going to be a key element to all of the stuff that we're moving into in this metaverse, right? Shared values are what bring us together. You know, if you and I are dog lovers, let's just say, that's a value we share. We love dogs. Everything, you know, we can talk about dogs for hours, blah, blah, blah. Now you bring in 20 other people that all care about dogs. Now you've got a community around dogs. They really, you know, oh, what kind of pet food do you give your dog? Oh, you know, you know then you could go in, then you start getting granular. Those are shared values. But then all of a sudden the cat person comes in and is like, oh, no, dogs suck. Cats are the, you know, <laughs> but you know what? To be honest, that cat person might want to have discourse. And because what happens is you start creating echo chambers. So if you start creating echo chambers and everybody thinks to the right, that's where we exist right now. Facebook, Instagram, these are all echo chambers. They don't allow for real discourse for actual, you know, shared values across certain things, but there's differences amongst other. And I think this is where brands can start going like, yeah, we can bring together people that are about different things. You could have, you know, different religions coming together because they all love this car, let's just call it. Well, we can all agree that the, you know, I don't know, name your favorite car <laughs> is <laughs> that, that thing that you all come together over. And I think it's, it's about bringing people together, creating inclusion um, and, and creating real discourse. I think that's gonna be a key for human survival because if we just keep building more and more echo chambers, we're ultimately just going to you know, be the, the, the snake that eats its tail. It's very funny, there's, there's a lot of companies now that call themselves Ouroboros you know, and the, the world eater, right? Like I've seen this popping up and it's like, you know, the, the Ouroboros is a really interesting thing and it connects into alchemy and it connects into the as above, so below and, and all these sort of, you know, and I see this popping up a lot in Web3. I mean, the company Alchemy being such a big company that is financing, you know, all these brands. And I, and I question the idea of, you know, I've always been obsessed with alchemy, you know, ever, ever since I was a kid, all these books in alchemy and I always weave it into all my storytelling. But the snake that eats its tail, the idea of the infinite, it it's both positive and negative, you know, it's, if we create too many loop cycles, if we don't understand, you know, concentric circles, as opposed to just the same circle, and don't learn, you know, because circles are in everything. I mean, the medicine wheel, you know, we always have circles and stuff and storytelling, the, the hero's journey, the, the hero of the thousand faces, right? It's, it's, it's very much about the circle, you know, 
And I think that going back to storytelling and patterns, we know that the hero begins here, but the hero ends up back where they started, but they change. So the question is, are we building circles that actually encourage change and discourse that we can move to another circle? Or are we just keep repeating the same thing over and over again? Yeah, I think that's uh, what many people recognize in several movies, right? Similar patterns, uh, always the good ones win. But luckily, we got some things changing sometimes, especially with the good movies, right? Yeah. So um, that's definitely uh, the case, right? Um, maybe just uh, jumping on your uh, circle um, met metaphor, um, is, is it more maybe like an iterative process? Like uh, you have that circle, right? But maybe it's the next, uh, next sprint, like would you, you would say in project management, like is it maybe more like that? Is that like that's part one, part two, part three, yeah. and they're similar, but... Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, something to that. I think, you know, if we're looking at phases or milestones, you know, if we want to talk about our sprints, like you'll, you'll do a completion circle and that completion circle will have a beginning, middle and end, right? Every movie, yeah. every story has a beginning, middle and end. In a film, it's a three act structure. Sometimes in television, you have five act structures. Comics can be however many uh, issues to tell that full story. But the goal being that once you've completed that circle, you have threads that allow you to go into the next circle. That's how you create persistent characters. You know, working in um, the Marvel universe, currently writing a Spider-Man series, Spider-Man being the most well-known and well-loved of the Marvel characters. Um, it's, it's a challenge because here is a character that's known by the world. How do you bring something new to that story, but also how do you honor everything that came before that character? How do you not upset the audience to make them feel like, oh, that's not a Spider-Man story, right? You still want your audience to feel that it's comfortable. It's, it's, it's similar yet different. Um, so I think those are big challenges when you come into working with IP or brands or you know content that has existed for a long time, already has a fan base, already has a community around it. Um, and how do you honor that community, but at the same time, give them something new. And then once you've created that something new, you've brought them onto the next circle that will ultimately then create something that will be the next iteration. And, you know, very much like in, in comics, once I'm done with what I've done with Spider-Man, perhaps someone else will pick up elements that we've created, Taboo and myself have created and then uh, bring that to another story. Because Werewolf by Night, which is the other series we had done, um, there was a, there's a Disney Plus uh, episode, I think, gonna drop in October. Someone took the character we created in the Marvel Universe and uh, is go they're going to be playing with that character, adding layers onto that character, creating new circles for that character. And hopefully that character becomes you know, uh, popular so that then, it starts becoming more and more utilized within that universe or within that, uh, that kind of community of, of storytellers and writers such as myself, um, and then audiences that want to see more of it. So brands can absolutely take a page out of that because looking at, you know, 
uh, Marvel obviously being a huge brand, um, their brand is based off of characters. So, and those characters value systems, same with Star Wars. You have characters, you have value systems and how those value systems connect to the audience and, and the why audiences want to see more Boba Fett uh, or more of this or more of that or whatever it might be. Yeah, don't take the soul away, right? That's, What's that? Don't take the soul of the company yeah. or the brand or whatever, right? A hundred percent, man. I mean, you listen to your audience. Like you can't let your audience dictate, but at the end of the day, your audience is, you, here's the thing. And I'm gonna have to jump in a few because I got a meeting at noon. But but uh, but <laughs> to, to that point, you know, I started as a fan. Like I started as a 10-year-old, 11 year old kid wanting to make Marvel comics. And here I am, a fan still getting to play in my fandom. That to me is like the ultimate key to your success. Like look to the things that have meaning to you, look to what you care about. And then follow that fandom, be a part of that fandom, be a fan of whatever it is that you are building or doing, you know, whether it's sci-fi storytelling, whether it's Spider-Man, you know, look, I know that, you know, Taboo and myself are breathing rare air. Not everybody gets to go off and be a Marvel writer. Like I am forever grateful to that. And, and it's a very humbling experience to be a custodian of the Marvel uh, world and, and the Spider-Man torch. Like it's, it's a scary thing, man. I'm not going to lie, you know, but, but that being said, it's, it's something that we are very, very grateful for. And that I will always say like, it is possible, like just keep creating and finding your voice. And what does it mean to put out your stories? And if you go and work for a brand or a brand is, you know, hiring, like, Find ways to be yourself within that community or in that brand or in that company, because that's going to make your work that much more meaningful and find ways to align yourself with those brands and companies that have your value sets, because then you're really going to be able to elevate yourself and get to that next circle. Awesome. I think that were uh, amazing last words. Uh, if you don't have anything else to add, uh, it was really an incredible pleasure talking with you. And I got a lot of value out of it. I hope the audience too. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, uh, Kevin, this has been awesome, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Look, I, I love this kind of conversation. And I think it's really important that we have these conversations because, you know, uh, LinkedIn has been an incredible uh, tool that I've Really, I've been on it forever, but I never really discovered how to actually use it over the past like several months. And that's how you and I met. And I've met so many amazing people through it. And I really do believe that as a tool, if LinkedIn doesn't try to become a Facebook, but just let itself breathe, let people share uh, their experiences, their journeys, their work, um, and really connect on a professional level like the tool is supposed to be. Uh, I think it has a really great opportunity to be something of great value, more so than Twitter, more so than any of these other uh, toolkits uh, or, or, in, or social spaces out there, um, because I think it really does cut through the noise and allows us to dox ourselves and dox each other as to what we're doing and looking at the value sets that we have so that we can connect with the right people to, uh, to do the right things. So I really appreciate you reaching out, man. Awesome. Yeah. As said. 
thank you for taking the time. And yeah, LinkedIn is a huge opportunity, right? So yeah. everyone listening to this, uh, yeah, let's act. <laughs> yeah, add us on, add us on LinkedIn. We'll, uh, I'm always down to chat there too. And, and, you know, always have great conversations. Anyway, well, Kevin, man, it's been a real pleasure. Likewise. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. You too. Bye.